Natalie Sanandaji, I think. Did I say it correctly? Yes. I did, okay. And uh, Natalie is back in New York after surviving, and that's the right word, the music festival on that Saturday morning, October the 7th in Israel, where 260 people died and a lot of young, beautiful people like Natalie. I mean, I think for me, the face of that whole thing was uh, Shani Luke. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you knew her personally, if you were dancing anywhere near her. Actually, uh, my friend who just got married about a week before all of this happened, Shani Luke was one of her best friends and was at her wedding. Oh, my God. Did you see her at all during that day? No. Tell me about that day. You know, I grew up, um, I have two older sisters, and they went to Woodstock. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, that was a two-day event. And it was just about music and love, and everybody was happy. And I'm told that this music festival in Israel, years and years later, obviously, kind of mirrored Woodstock. Is that is that a fair comparison? Yeah, it's actually funny. That's a comparison that I've made myself in a lot of my speeches. Really? Um, I'll talk a little bit about why. So out of all the like electronic music subgenres that there are, Psytrance, I would say, is one of the smaller communities. What do you call this? Psytrance. Oh, what the hell is that? That's the type of music that uh, oh. was at the Nova Oh, Festival. so it wasn't the Grateful Dead or... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so is that like house music? Or... Yes. So it's a okay. subgenre. There's like techno. Um, there's all different types of subgenres. There's tech house and then there's Psytrance. And okay. I would say the community, the type of people who go to Psytrance events are very hippie-ish. And that's why I would, com- I would compare them a lot to Woodstock. Yeah. It's because the type of people that go to these events are just the most loving, yeah. kind-hearted, sweetest, most pure people. And there's a lot of irony in the fact that they were the ones that were attacked. Yeah. I guess you would just, um, I guess, uh, throw out the weed for the Mali uh, in comparing Woodstock to uh, your event. <laughs> I would say there's a lot of weed at Psytrance oh, festivals that too. as well. Okay, yes. is, weed, is weed legal in Israel? I don't even know. I don't even know. Well, it was legal those days. So, <laughs> so when do you show up for that event? Um, me and my three friends that I came with, we showed up at 1 a.m. On Saturday morning? Yeah. Okay. And when did it actually start? I think it started around 10 p.m. Friday night. Friday night. Yeah. And how many friends did you actually go with? So I arrived with three friends, all Israelis, and then we met up there with about 15 or 20 of their other friends. And how far from the festival were you staying? How long was your trip? So I think... It was about a two-hour drive. Oh, wow, it's far. Yeah, and then, but once you get to the festival, you, you set up your campsite. And the campsites are surrounding the dance floor. So you can, like, when you're on your campsite, you can still hear the music. So there's, like, a big stage in the middle. Yeah. And then uh, kind of like Woodstock, that big grassy field, you guys set up tents. But instead of a grassy field, we have... Sandy dirt. Is that what, it's it Israel. looked that way. It was, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. Israel. We don't really have good grassy fields. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you had sandy dirt, and you set up camps yeah. and tents. And how many people would you estimate were actually there for this event? I would say between two to 3,000. Two to 3,000? Around, around there. Okay. That's what I would say, uh, yeah. Even when the attack started, that many? Yeah. Okay, because I was under the impression that almost everybody died. Of course, that's not the case. No. All right, so, so take me now. You get there about 1 o'clock in the morning, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, what time is it when you start to hear stuff that's not music? So we arrive at around 1, and we dance for about two hours till about 3, 3 
And then me and my three friends decided to go back to the campsite and rest. We were a little tired, I guess, from the drive and just from the whole week in general. There were a lot of holidays that week. And we decided to go rest for a few hours and wake up refreshed for the sunrise set. So, so tell me again, how far is that camp set again from the actual stage? Probably like a two-minute walk. Two-minute walk, that's yeah. it. Okay, you're close. So, um, so yeah, you can still hear the music. You can still see the people dancing, like, from your campsite. So we, we go to take a rest for a few hours, and we said, like, we're going to wake up for the sunrise set, which is generally the most exciting part of any festival. It's when the best DJs tend to go on. And we're sleeping, and at around 6.30, one of the girls from our campsite came back from the dance floor because she knew we were sleeping, and she wanted to make sure we were alert to what was happening. So she, knew, the situation. she was able to escape, leave the stage area, and get back to your camp, and she was alive and well. Yes. And she said to you exactly what? She woke us up, and with a big smile on her face, she said, Good morning, guys. I just want you guys to know what's happening. I want you to be alert. A few rockets have been sent our way, intercepted overhead. But it's fine. It's normal for the area that we're in. It'll probably just be a few, and the party will probably okay. continue. So, so, so you were not under attack yet. The guys were not there who came in by hang gliders and drove in. This was just the rockets overhead. Yes. Okay. So at this point, it was just the rockets, and everyone thought the party would continue. But I want you to imagine a festival happening anywhere else in the world where kids react in such a calm manner to rockets being intercepted over their heads yeah, and yeah. thinking like, oh, we're going to continue partying. Well, you were high. That, <laughs> actually, I, I was completely sober. No, I, I was sleeping. Right, right. But, <laughs> but um, that simply wouldn't happen. No, of course not. But for I, Israeli I'd be kids. And screaming and crying. I, I wouldn't even if, know what to imagine do. Imagine Coachella. Like all these kids would be screaming and crying right. and peeing their pants. Like right. they, they'd be freaking out. But for Israeli kids, this is their reality. If Israelis completely stopped their day every time a few rockets were sent their way, they would get nothing done. Right. This happens right. on a semi regular basis. So. At first, we thought, like, maybe it really just will be a few, because at the end of the day, we were by the Gaza border, and this is something that happens. How close How close to the Gaza border was that uh, campsite? In regards to feet? If you're driving, how long would it take you? I think maybe, like, ten, ten minutes. Ten minutes, you're right there. Something Oof. like that. Right there, yeah. Um, And a lot of people asked, like, when I knew that it was so close, was I not nervous to go uh, to this party? And there's a few things I'd like to point out that, first of all, with festivals like this in Israel, you usually don't receive the location until a few hours before the party starts. That's all about security, right? Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, like it's already a few hours before you're not going to not go to a party. And secondly, people need to realize Israel is surrounded by enemies. So the day before the party, I went up to the north and I went hiking Am I not going to go to the north because it's near enemies? No, of course like, not. No, you're yeah. going to live your life. You're going to go your, about what your What your parents say? I mean, you're still young. You're in your 20s. Were your parents nervous? Or they're like, you know, nah, they're just used to this type of stuff. My mom was born and raised in Israel. So yeah. for her, she's like, she encourages me to go to Israel every year. She encourages me to explore. Right. My mom in elementary school had to hide under her desk because they were being bombed and glass flew in her eye. You know, this is stuff she grew up with. And for my mom, it's like you can't live your life in fear all the time. You can't not experience life. I agree. That's what they want, right? That's when the terrorists win. So how long after your friend comes in and it's just rockets and she says, good morning, guys, blah, 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 do you all of a sudden come to the realization there are men on the ground here to kill us? So that that took a little bit of time. So from the moment she woke us up, we we stood up. We're just looking up at the sky. We're seeing the rockets being intercepted. 
And after about maybe five minutes, we realized that this isn't just any other ordinary situation, that this is worse than that, because it wasn't just five or seven rockets. It was 10, 15, 20. They just kept coming. And then eventually the festival security shuts off the music and announces on the loudspeakers for everyone to please pack up their campsite and evacuate to their car. Now, at that point, are you nervous? Are you still like, okay, it's it's not great, but I'll be okay? So I'll say personally for me, from the moment she woke me up, I think my body went into an automatic state of shock and disassociation. Mm. And I never understood before this what an out-of-body experience felt like until this happened because it felt very much out of body. It felt as if my mind and body was trying to protect itself from the intensity it was feeling. Yeah. And it made, it was out of body in the sense that I didn't want to believe it was happening to me. Right. It felt like I was watching it right. happen to right. me. So stick with that. So now the rockets are firing. Yes. You've got this out of body experience. The guys on the ground who killed some people you even knew that day aren't there yet, but they're coming. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Paul Young. Every time I go away from the great movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles out last Thanksgiving Day scene. Very good, Lewis, with Steve Martin and uh, John Candy. Back here with the very brave Natalie Sanandaji, who was once again... At the music festival that morning, October the 7th, that horrible morning, uh, she's talked to us about how she was warned by her friend. She was sleeping back at the camp, a very quick walk to the stage, that the rockets were overhead. And then now take me to the part where you actually find out there are men on the ground there to kill you. So we evacuate to our cars and we start driving out. And eventually, after a few minutes, the festival security starts yelling at everybody to please pull their cars over to the side of the road and get out of their cars and start running. And at this point, we can't understand why they would ask us to do such a thing. Why would they tell us to run from rockets? But we listen to them because we know that they're just trying to help us. And we pull our car over, and that's when we hear the first gunshots. And as soon as we hear the first gunshots, we open our doors and we start to run. 